Good morning, New Hope. Everybody's good. Everybody's awake. Paul, you awake over there? I see you. Paul's one of my guys over there. He's awesome. How many of you know Paul Wittenberg? If you don't know him, yeah, right here. If you don't know him, you should know him because he's that kind of a guy. He's, he's a great guy to be around as well as the rest of the youth uh, here at New Hope Worship Center. So yeah, I became a dad uh, two weeks ago Tuesday, right? Well, is that right? It seems like it's been like a couple months now. <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we have a, uh, I guess he's a bouncing baby boy. I'm not sure. Um, usually, uh, uh, well, let's just look at some pictures of him real quick. There's a little picture right here on the screen. That's Kingston there and his, his little, uh, jumper or whatever the heck you call that thing you put on him. I know it's of the devil at about one o'clock in the morning when you're trying to put it on at night, but there he is smiling. Uh, I always thought that was cute, but somebody told me that he smiles because he's got gas. And so I'm like, oh shoot. Um, but then you got the next picture, you know, and, and, uh, just cute as can be just chilling, relaxing. I think this was, if you, if you follow us on Facebook, uh, Kingston was in baby jail called the NICU for about 11 days. And, uh, we were having some hostage negotiations and things like that to try and get him out of there. Um, somebody told me that the ransom money, I'm not even going to want to look at, but we'll get, we'll get there eventually. But this is him in his new pad. He's, uh, chilling and enjoying life. And, uh, these are all Facebook worthy. I believe they've probably been on Facebook. And then the next one, let's see what we got next. Oh yeah. And then there's reality. There's reality. So you've got Facebook and then you've got reality. Okay. If I don't preach any more from there, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. But, uh, he is, he's doing wonderful. Um, you know, he's just, uh, like I said, he would thank you for all your prayers and support. I, I cannot tell you the, the meals that you guys, that some of you have organized for us. Like it's so humbling, um, what, what you guys have done for us and, and, and just, I can't say thank you enough. All I can do is just give my life, uh, just to this church and everything that you do for us. And, um, you know, Nobody told me, they told me that you won't get any sleep after you have a kid. And I really didn't understand that concept. Now it's just like all it gets naps, you know, and, and naps might be 10 seconds. It might be 10 minutes. Maybe it's a couple hours if we're good. Uh, but uh, he loves to sing, doesn't he, Haley? He loves to sing about one o'clock to about four o'clock in the morning. And uh, so, but last night was pretty good. Thank the Lord. I actually prayed to the Lord. I said, God, help me. I've got to be here in the morning. And so, uh, so he answered our prayers and little Kingston, he slept good last Last night, uh, it's quite a bit of an experience being a parent. Uh, my parents are here today. I'm so honored that they're here with me. Yes, yes, give it up for them. They, uh, you know, just to just to honor my mom and dad today. You know, Pastor Bone was talking about you know me being a quality young man, and uh, I have to attribute a lot of that to them. Um, if you know anything about my family, you know my brother has special needs. Uh, he had a drowning accident when he was maybe what 16, 13 months old. 13 months old had a drowning accident. And if you know anything about families of special needs children, you know that 90% of those marriages end in divorce. And my family stayed together. My dad, my mom, they worked through some things and they stayed together. And I was able to be raised in a, in a two-parent home uh, and, and be blessed because of that. And some of you in this room are not fortunate enough to have that. And I like to attribute a lot of that to the quality of the person that I am today because I was able to have that example. And now I'm able to pass it on to my family and uh, in times of hardship. But, uh, but child rearing is pretty, it's pretty uh, crazy. And you're like, oh, you've only been at it for two weeks. <laughs> 
guys almost passed out in the operating room. You know, they're sitting in there and so Haley had a scheduled C-section and, and uh, I already knew that I was going to pass out. I was like, I'm probably going to pass out. You know, I, I can gut a fish and skin a deer and all that kind of stuff and I don't mind that, you know, that doesn't bother me. But when they said, all right, Mrs. Lamb, you know, they got the curtain up right here. You can't see anything. And most of you have been through this. And they said, all right, Mrs. Lamb, you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. And immediately when they said that, I was like, oh, I knew what they were fixing to do. They were fixing to start pushing on that baby. They were fixing to start pushing on her stomach. And, man, I thought that doctor was going to start doing jumping jacks and elbow drops on Haley. She was, like, crunching down on him and pushing him. And, and uh, all of a sudden, everything just started turning white for me. I was seeing white. I was seeing stars. And, and so I, I went from, oh, baby, you're so beautiful, to me literally laying beside my wife like this, like a weak little man just saying, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. And when the doctor came or the nurse came around the corner, she said, Dad, would you like to come see the baby? And I'm thinking, like, all I see is white. And so I was like, I'm going to be the worst father in the world if I say no. And so I go literally walking around to where they had the baby, and I was like, Yep, that looks good. And I turned around and, and I just went and sat back down. And uh, the rest is history. I never, I never hit the ground. I never hit the ground. So that was good. That was good. But we are so blessed and blessed by each and every one of you and for all the support and prayer. And uh, we're excited to go on this journey together. My beautiful wife is looking as amazing as she always does. And uh, she's just a champion. That baby, if you don't know... That baby, when they popped him out, they said, oh my goodness, look at this baby. He weighed 11 pounds, 10 ounces, 23 inches long. The doctor told me, welcome to the world. Glad, congratulations on your new toddler, your two-month-old. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's long, 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 tall like his mother. And uh, we, uh, we're, so, we're so blessed to have him. But uh, I, I want to share with you, just uh, get into to a message today. And, and uh, I, I, who am I to give you anything? You know, is the way I feel. I'm very humbled to be up here and to have this opportunity to just share with you what's on my heart. And I pray that this message today would be a, a challenge to you. I pray that it would get you to think. Um, you know, as church, as a body of Christ... A lot of times we get into this mode of Christianese where, where we say words and we really don't even think about what they mean, don't we? You know what I mean? You know, there's Christianese terms like, uh, I don't know, praise the Lord. Or, you know, and to the outside world, they're like, what in the world are you talking about? And so there's these terms that we often use, but we don't even know what they really mean. We don't even, we don't even really understand the weight of them. And so I always love listening to uh, a preacher or, uh, excuse me, or a communicator challenge my thoughts. And I pray that this, this will challenge your thoughts today. And so I'm going to give you just kind of a word picture, a word association, and I'm going to say a word and you're going to think of something. And, and so I want to, the first word I'm going to think of is Canadian. When you think of Canadian, there's a picture that comes to your mind. Some of you probably think of Tammy Pitt. Some of you probably think of a red leaf. Some of you probably think of a hockey team. What about the word, I don't know, Egyptian? Or maybe the word African, or maybe American, or maybe politician. But what about the word Christian? What does the word Christian mean when you think of the word Christian? And I want to share with you just a, just a few thoughts of what the word Christian. Some of you may define Christian uh, traditionally the way that I did. 
I said a prayer of salvation. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and that's what made me a Christian. Some of you may have been baptized when you were young, and that's what makes you a Christian. Or maybe some of you were confirmed, maybe something like the Methodist Church. You were confirmed, you went to a couple classes, and you got confirmed, and that made you a Christian. Maybe some of you in this room would say, I hate the word Christian. Maybe some of you in here are not Christian. Maybe some of you have come into this room and and when you think of the word picture of a Christian, the definition that pops into your mind is they're judgmental, narrow-minded, homophobic people who pride themselves in going to heaven and those that don't think like them are. Maybe that's your thought of a Christian. Can I say to you this morning that Christian is only mentioned three times in the Bible. I've got to tell you this, it's not even defined. Actually, the word Christian was used by people outside of the church to describe those who were followers of the way. They called them Christians, those Christian people. The term Christian was actually used for the disciples in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 11, verse 26. And uh, they were first called Christians in Antioch. And like I said, they, you know, this was just a term that was used. You know, people call uh, us Americans because we live in a certain place. But I'm not just American. My name's Tony Lamb. I live at 361 Forest Court. I'm more than just an American, right? You know? And so Christian is a bit of a broad term, you know? Uh, There's a man named Nero uh, back in the Roman Empire, and, and Nero uh, didn't like his city, so he burned it down. And uh, when he burned it down, there's this man, this Roman historian named uh, Tacitus, and he writes about, uh, writes about this event. And I want you to put that quote up on the screen. It says, this is Tacitus speaking here. It says, consequently, to get rid of the report that Nero had burnt down Rome, he fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. So you see, the Christians in the scriptures, they didn't call themselves Christians. It was the populace. It was the population. It was a group of people that just said, yeah, you're Christians. You know, you're followers of that way. You know, you little Jesus people. That's what you are. You're Christians. So it was almost a bit of a derogatory term. So when we call ourselves Christians, do we really even understand where that even comes from? And so I want to challenge you just with that thought. Now, there's a much more pointed word that I want to challenge you with today as well. It's a lot sharper. It's a lot more defined. And that word is disciple. Because you see in the scriptures, disciple is much more defined. It's much more mentioned. It's much more uh, characterized when you read your scripture. And so disciple is a student, is a pupil, it's an apprentice, a follower, an adherent. And my question to you today is, are you a disciple or are you just a Christian? Because see, there's, there, you see the difference? Do you see the more defined word there? Because, you know, if you want to call me a Christian, that's fine. I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. But I want to be more than just a Christian. I want to be a disciple. When I make a decision and I'm, I'm looking to make a decision on something, I want to look to Jesus and I want to say, okay, Jesus, like, I'm going to make this decision. How would you do it? How would you make this decision? Some of you have people like that in your life. Some of you actually go to maybe a mentor and you do the same thing. You say, okay, uh, I need to ask you this question. And you follow them. And you learn from them. So disciple, that's a much more, much more scary word, isn't it? You know, for a follower of Christ. Let's look at some verses of scripture that actually support that. Luke uh, 14, 27, 
And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. Next, John 8, 31 through 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are my, truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 13, 35 says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So you see the word disciple is much more of a defined word. The good news is what I described to you earlier is not the definition of a Christian. And so I hope today that when you walk away, you'll actually, man, I don't know what he's talking about. And you go into your room and you blow the dust off your Bible and you, and you actually look and see what Tony was talking about this morning. And if you do that, that will be a victory. And so I challenge you with that. But what does all of that have to do with the vision of our church? What does all of that have to do? I'll tell you what it has to do with the vision of our church. This year, Pastor has set us a vision that we want to rebuild the walls of this church. Because some of the walls, some of the bricks have been tattered and torn. They've been torn down. And, and we as a church need to take note from Nehemiah who, who built the walls in 52 days. And so this year, 52 weeks we have to rebuild the walls of this church. And so in order for us to rebuild the walls, we have to know who we are, don't we? We have to know that we're disciples of Christ. We have to know that we have a purpose. We have to know that where we're going and what we're doing. And not just us as a staff, because the staff, all we do is, is turn on the lights, basically. But you guys are going along with us. We want you to help us. We need us as a body of Christ to rebuild the walls. And today I want to talk about the wall of evangelism. The wall of evangelism. Evangelism, I can't think of a greater thing than we need to build. You know, sometimes evangelism gets thrown to the wayside, doesn't it? You know, we, we, we just kind of get busy with life and, and, and things happen and we don't share the good news. And I can't think of a greater thing to build than the wall of evangelism. That's what we should always be doing. But also with evangelism, it, it's, connect, it's always connected to serving. Because you, you see, serving without the intent of being the gospel... It's just community service. But evangelism without action, it's just lip service. They must be connected. We have to be able to evangelize and be able to serve people. Because people don't, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, and I, I said it in the first service, and, uh, but it, it's really true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've all heard that. You know, and so I want today, I want to really just kind of flesh this out for us and inspire you that, that you have a purpose. It's not just to attend a church on a Sunday morning. It's not just to just fill a pew and, and, and filter the air that's in this room and, and create more carbon dioxide. It's more than that. It's to serve this world and for people to see an authentic church, an authentic church. And so I want to, I, wanna, I just kind of want to tell you what serving is not. You know, I believe that we as the church, we've kind of taught you, we've kind of uh, shown you in a way that serving is more of a sentence. It's like a prison sentence. You know, I remember when we first got into the vision of 12 and we were uh, having small groups and we went through a lot. We went through a lot. And I remember people being afraid of being a small group leader because they're like, it's a prison sentence. I won't be stuck in a small group forever. I think you have the wrong perspective. Serving is not a sentence. Serving is not a sentence. And I think that we've taught you guys uh, in a way that, that makes it seem like that. Serving is not just some weekly duty that we check off a list. 
Serving the church or serving a need is much deeper than doing a task. It is purposeful. It is heartfelt. It is a manifestation of love given to you. We don't want you to serve just because many hands make light work. And I think sometimes that maybe we project that and we communicate that. And as a staff, I want to apologize if we've done that to you. But we don't ever want to make you think that many hands make light work, even though it does. I can't tell you how thankful I am for all the people that helped me move. Man, I didn't know how much junk I had. I mean, I lived in an 1,100-square-foot townhome, and like, I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? So come springtime, I'll have a great yard sale. So if you love yard sales, come on by, buy everything that I have, and I'll be very, very happy. But we don't want you to just think that many hands make light work. We at New Hope, we believe that serving is a precursor to the move of God. Serving should be a characteristic of the body of Christ. When people experience you, they should be able to experience Him. It's not just lip service. It's actually action. It's words and action. You know, Jesus, you know, just talking about action and application, Jesus was the Word applied. You know, we say that Jesus is the Word. He was the Word. John tells us that. But He was also, He wasn't just the Word. He was the Word in application. He was the word moving. He was the word doing. He was the word making a difference. And, you know, Jesus has done all that he's going to do for us. Now he says it's up to you. He says, I want to use you. I want you to be the man or the woman, the young man, the teenager, whoever it may be, to make an impact in your group of people, in your squad, young people, whoever that may be. But serving is not a sentence. Serving is not just a task. Serving is not just a task. When we look at it as just a task, we get burnt out. We get burnt out, don't we? I've been there. You know, I, I think it's easy for me. I think I have a little bit more of a lean of serving than, than, than some. But, uh, but I've, I've been burnt out too. I've been burnt out too. It's because I look at it as a task. I don't look at it as an opportunity. I don't look at it as a, as a manifestation of what God has done for me sometimes. Serving is not a guilt trip, and I think this is probably one of the biggest things that a lot of volunteers feel in the church today, is that serving is a guilt trip. It's not a guilt trip, and it should not be portrayed as a guilt trip. And I think for me, that's my type of personality. I'm a people pleaser. I like for people to be happy and and things like that. And so if I'm asked to do something, I'm a yes man. I'm a yes man. And I feel like that, that, you know, if we're not careful, that serving would be a guilt trip. But serving is not a guilt trip. We don't ever want it to be a guilt trip. We want serving to be a fulfillment of something that is deep inside of you. You know, serving, serving should be an experience. Like I said earlier, when people experience you, they should be able to experience him. You know, I, I love to hunt and fish, and thanks to my Grizzly Adams dad here, he used to drag me all the time into the woods of Burke County, and we'd go deer hunting and all this kind of stuff. And he really gave me a love for the outdoors and, and uh Sometimes I actually hated the outdoors, to be honest with you. You know, when you're a little kid and you're sitting there and it's about 25 degrees and your feet are about to fall off and you're like, I hate this. But now I love it for some reason. But there are many times when I'm in the woods and I experience something. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Mike? Yeah, you know, you experience something like, man, I wish somebody could have seen this. I wish somebody could have been able to experience this. Well, can I tell you that's exactly what happened to me when I met Jesus? I had an experience. And serving is the way that I manifest that in my life. Like, it's just, I want it to come out, and that's the only way, the only outlet that I have. I believe that's why Pastor Roger goes down to the bridge every Saturday, because he wants people to experience Jesus that that loves you, Roger. Isn't that right? You know, and you want people to experience that. And so evangelism must always be connected to serving, because serving without intent of being the gospel is just community service. 
It's just community service. Serving is not a means of acceptance. It's not a means of acceptance. So many times I believe that, um, that we identify ourselves with what we do. Serving is not a means of acceptance. You are not valuable because of what you do. You're not valuable because of what you do in this church. You're valuable because of him, because he gave his life for you. And so it's not a means of acceptance. And sometimes I've, I've talked with parents whose kids are in, are in service here at the church. And, and sometimes we have to make a move and we have to change something for good reason. And the parents will get upset because their child's identity is in what they do. But it can't be. You can't let your do become your who. Your do should always point people to the who. Amen? Amen. And so it cannot be a means of acceptance. So, why serve? Why should we serve? We believe at the church that serving is a way to a man's heart. Severing others is an act of selflessness that can open a door for people to see our Lord Jesus through our actions. Serving is a bridge that makes room for evangelism to cross over the enemy lines of distrust. You know, Back to how people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can talk to them until you're blue in the face. But serving actually crosses us over that enemy line sometimes, doesn't it? You know, when you're able to get out there and you're able to sacrifice your time and you're able to get out there and, and, and do what you can for people to know that you're real and that God loves them. So serving does that. It crosses the enemy lines of distrust. And some of this trust actually comes from an unauthentic church. I don't know about you guys, but do you guys want to be authentic? Do you guys want to be authentic? Are you still awake? Are you with me? Are you doing good? Everybody's good? Okay, good. Good. Sometimes it comes from an unauthentic church. I want to share with you a few things that serving actually is. Serving is so much bigger than just a task. Serving is a way of life. Serving is a characteristic. The first one I want to share with you is serving is an act of worship. Serving is an act of worship. Let's look at what Colossians says. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. And I love how Pastor Reagan last week, he so beautifully uh, reminded us that when we serve others, we're serving the Lord. He says, You can't even give a cup of cold water in my name and lose your reward. And so we don't, we don't just serve others, but we do it as in work to the Lord. You know, I love being able, I have a hard time driving by a car that's broke down and with a flat tire. Usually it's when me and the wife are going to do something and we got to be there in like 30 seconds. And, you know, I think that's just my lean. But I feel like when I do that, I don't feel like I'm just trying to be a good person. I feel like it's the love of God that's inside of me that, ma- that wants to manifest and, and, and be different than the world. And you see, serving allows us to do that. Serving allows us to be different than the world because, you see, there's plenty of community service in the world. There are plenty of good people. But the difference between that and us is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the hope of Jesus Christ. Serving is how we take part in God's kingdom. Let's look at Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving is how we take part in God's kingdom. When we serve, we are modeling Jesus to others. And can I tell you, I felt Jesus from you people. You guys are awesome. 
You guys have been so, such a serving church. But I want to encourage those that are here today. Maybe, they, maybe they've fallen off the wagon a little bit. Maybe you've fallen off. Maybe you've kind of gotten the busyness of life has taken you over. Well, you don't just have to serve the church. Maybe you need to serve your family. Maybe you need to serve your children, young people. Maybe you need to serve your folks. That's how we model Jesus. You know, I remember, I'm going to be super transparent right here. My parents are here. I know, but don't embarrass them. Sorry if I do. When we serve, we model Jesus. And for you young people that are in the room today, there came a point in my life where I was an adult and my parents needed to see Jesus. And I remember getting in an argument with my mom one day and she totally convicted me. You ever had your mom do that? She totally slap you upside the head with something she said and you're like, oh, that hurt. And the Lord convicted me and he said to me, just like Ben, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks to you in really clear moments and you usually tend to remember those. He said, who do you think you are that you're not to be Jesus to your family? Because you see, young people, we think that our parents have raised another family that they should know how to treat us. They should know exactly what we need and they should always provide for us, huh? Am I speaking to any of the young people right now? Yeah. You shaking your head. Are you awake? You all awake? And he said, who are you not to be Jesus to your family? And I was like, yes, Lord. Because sometimes your parents do need to see Jesus. They need to see, they need to see some hope. They need to know that everything is going to be all right. And you know what? Sometimes, and for some of, some of your cases, and even some of you adults, you're probably more mature in your walk with the Lord than your parents are. And if that's the case, then you definitely need to be Jesus to your family. They need to see the true gospel. They need to be served. And so serving is how we take part in God's kingdom. When we serve, we are modeling Jesus to others. Serving is an expression of love. Galatians 5, 6 tells us, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. And then this is the last part. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. That is serving. When you serve, you are taking your faith and you are expressing itself in love. You're saying, I'm putting myself out there. I'm coming to do something that's not normal for me to do because I want people to see Jesus. I want them to see the gospel. It has to be connected. Serving and evangelism are always connected. Serving is a way we represent the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells that. So we are Christ ambassadors. We, us, all of us, we're representatives of Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are Christ ambassadors. When we serve, we are representing Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, that's a, that's a, that's a humbling thought. That the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came and gave his life for me, did everything for me, paid the price for my sin, would say, I want you to represent me. Are you representing him? When people see you, do they see him? Serving is how we become the word in action. James 1.22 tells us, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Serving is the word in action. 
We look for those opportunities just to be his word, to be his hands and feet. This is a biggie, I think, you know, because the next one is that serving is an opportunity to deny ourselves. You see, when we were born into this world, and I'm starting to realize it now, babies are some selfish little boogers. <laughs> you can't look at a baby very long. In fact, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are here this morning. It's so funny. You know, they've got a seven-month-old daughter as cute as can be. And her name's Riley Ann. And, and uh, Riley Ann had came over to the house the other day. She's seven months old. Kingston's two weeks old. And uh, Riley Ann's getting around pretty good. She's, she's getting very active, isn't she? And, and, and she loves her bottle. Like, I'm like, I didn't know kids that small, like, knew, like, could tell what a bottle was. And Kingston is about that time he's being fed. Haley's feeding him a bottle. And Riley Ann comes in, and she's like, yeah, like she's going for the bottle. Like she wants the bottle. She's like, no, it's supposed to be my bottle. Nobody else has ever had a bottle before this time except for me. Why don't I have a bottle? And, you know, so when we're born, we're born just, we're just selfish. We're just selfish beings. And Jesus actually said in the scripture, he said, if you want to lose your life, if you want to find your life, you'll lose it. If you deny yourself, you'll find yourself. And so serving is a way that we, is a way that we can do that. It's the act of selflessness to say, look, I'm going to take my time on a Saturday and I'm going to go down like a lot of you do to the bridge. Or I'm going to wake up and be at church at 7 o'clock in the morning. Those people behind the counter back there, the sound people, the camera people, they've been here since 730. That's denying self because I don't know about you guys, but I'm enjoying sleep right now. I'm enjoying sleep. And so when we serve, it's, it's, a, it's a way to model Jesus. It's a way to deny self. It's a way to, to grow in the Lord. It's a way to grow in the Lord. Serving supports this local church. I don't know if I said it earlier. I mentioned it in the early service, but there's just a few staff here. We were able to get some things done. But you guys, you guys multiply the effort of this house. And you represent New Hope Worship Center. And for that, I am so thankful. And I want to give you an applause for what you guys do on a daily basis to support this church. And if you feel like, if you feel like you've been out of the game, listen, we were talking in staff the other day and pastor had talked to some of you. And some of you feel like you're not important. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. You are important. You do matter. You are valuable to the kingdom. And, and we want to encourage you. I want this message to encourage you that if you haven't been able to serve, if you feel like you have nothing to do, that's a lie. You have purpose. God has a plan for you, and he wants to use you. Second Corinthians told us that. He wants to use you to represent his kingdom. And God has put a specific gift in your life and in your heart to use as a service to this house. Amen? I believe in it. I believe in it. So serving supports the local church. Sorry, I got my papers turned around here. All right. All right. So in closing this morning, in conclusion, I want to put a verse of Scripture up on the screen, and I'm going to read it to you. This verse of Scripture has always scared the bejesus out of me. Some of you will know what I'm talking about when you read it. It's found in the book of Matthew. Actually, Matthew, you know, we call it a book, but, you know, there really aren't books. 
their ancient writings, their journals, their people's lives. And so this is Matthew. This is one of Jesus' followers. He's literally writing this. And these are actually in red. So these are actually the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, Many will say to me in that day, talking about the last day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, it doesn't sound very homey. It doesn't sound very warm, does it? And when I read that verse, I'm like, man, they were doing things. They were like casting out demons and all this kind of stuff and, and casting out devils in Jesus' name. And, and it's always scared me because I've been like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to know if I'm saved? Like, that doesn't sound like I'm saved. That sounds like people who actually do the work of the Lord could go to hell. It's crazy. And so when I was reading that, that word we popped out. Two-letter word, we. And how many of you know what a groupie is? You know what a groupie is? Somebody who hangs out in a group. They don't really do anything. They just kind of mooch off of you, and they reap all the rewards. I believe that's what that's saying. The we. Didn't we do this? Didn't we prophesy in your name? He's like, I don't know about we. I don't know about you, but we did. You know. And what I'm saying to you is your relationship with Jesus Christ is your personal relationship. The way you serve, everything that you do is your personal relationship with him. He said, you can't give a cup of cold water. He didn't say we can give a cup of water. He said, no, you. He said, you. He said, you matter. You are the one that needs to do it. You are the one that needs to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You are the one that needs to serve. Just don't live off of everybody else. And I think, you know, as a society and as young people, sometimes we're raising our children to be that way. They need to live off of their parents' coattails or and even even society in general we do that but not we so what does that mean for you what do you need to do don't just attend this church don't just exist you can make a difference your life means so much more than just existing you can make a difference god has chosen for us to represent him when somebody sees us they should at least catch a glimpse of him Adults, when young people, especially your parents, when young people see you practicing your faith as well as other positive examples in the church, they will more likely not to become dropouts of the church but become disciples. Listen, I get your kids for two hours a week. They're with you every day. You have a huge influence over your children. Huge influence. I believe serving, I believe that if we can teach you young people and all of us, but especially these young people, because there's a huge statistic out there that says that some 90% of teens that graduate high school leave the church for a period of time. 90%. 9 out of 10. That would be like 9 out of 10 of these students on the front row not coming back to church. That's scary. But I believe that if we can teach people and teach young people how to properly serve and what serving really is, that when they leave high school, they won't leave the church. They will be the church. They will be the church. So I'm going to challenge you young people. Don't be fakers. Let your walk support your talk. Evangelism without action is just lip service. Don't be fakers. 
Listen, you guys, you young people that are in the room today, middle school, high school, college, you're in an arena that a lot of us in this room can't reach right now. You're around people every day. They get to see you. They get to see you interact with other people. And so I would ask you, are you just a Christian or are you a disciple? Would you be willing to serve them or would you be willing to serve yourself? And that's something I always have to challenge myself with. I'm going to ask, uh, I asked about six students to come up here real quick. And if I called you up, just come on up and stand behind me real quick. And uh, I'm going to just kind of give you just a little fun, uh, just a physical illustration uh, with these guys. If Come on quickly. Uh, Cody, come up here. Christopher, come here. Come on, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five. I need one more. Mana, come quickly. Give it up for these guys. Don't they look good? A lot of these are my students. This is Cody. He looks like a student, but he's actually a leader. You know, some people say we look like twins sometimes. Actually, my twin is over here, Ashlyn. Ashlyn, come up here real quick. Run, 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 run. Quick, 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 quick. Me and Ashlyn, come on, come on, hurry, 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 hurry. She's like, I can't, I'm a girl. Me and Ashley, me and Ashley, Ashlyn are actually twinning today. So, but uh, great minds think alike, right? You know. But I want to ask you, what would it look like if we coupled evangelism with serving? If we took a bit of evangelism and we coupled it with some serving, just kind of join arms, elbows right here. You know, when people looked at the church, they actually saw an authentic church. She wasn't just talking the talk, but they were walking the walk. What would it look like if a student actually invited their friends to church and evangelized to them? and was actually somebody who was authentic. What would it look like for us as a church to, to be who we say we are? And I want to read to you a verse of Scripture. You can lock arms. Because you see, serving... Oh, missed the letter. Serving and evangelism are always connected. And when you serve with the intent of being the gospel, you'll become the gospel. You will be the good news. People will see the good news. It's not just good news when you tell them that they're dying and going to hell. But you tell them about the hope that's found in Jesus. You serve them. You show them Jesus. And you become the good news. Amen? Amen. I want to read a verse of scripture to you, and I'll close with this this morning. It's actually found in uh, Romans Uh, chapter 10, verse 14. It says, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Amen. What would it look like if people, when they walked through the doors of our church, if they encountered the church every time they walked away, they had to say, you got served. You know, because we often see you getting served is not usually a positive thing. Some of you in here have probably been served before. So we're going to make that a new coin. We're going to coin a new term there. You got served. Amen? Amen. So in closing, if we want to rebuild the walls of evangelism in this church, then we must align what we say with what we do because evangelism without action is just lip service. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray over this congregation. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters and family that are in this room, God. What an opportunity you've given to me.
And so, Lord, I just pray over them today, God. I pray that this message would challenge them. I pray that it would convict them and inspire them, God. And, Lord, that as we go for you, God, that we would rebuild the walls of evangelism in this church. God, that people would see you through us. And they would be drawn to the good news of the gospel. Because we are authentic. Lord, I pray for those people in this room that maybe their families need to see Jesus. That you would give them divine opportunities to be you to a broken home. To be different. Not the status quo of what somebody says a Christian is or isn't. But that we're actually disciples. We're followers of you, Jesus. We want to make decisions like you would make decisions. And so, Father, I just pray over this congregation. May they be inspired. May in the next week, God, that you would give them the opportunity to maybe serve someone who is broken or hopeless. And, God, that as they do so, Lord, that you would help them to be Jesus to that person. So we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, New Hope. I'm so thankful. You sit up there. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to come. And like I said, it's very humbling to be able to come and speak to you this morning. And um, I'm going to ask the prayer leaders. Uh, we'll have a time of prayer this morning. If there's some prayer leaders in here, small group leaders, things like, if you would just come down front, we'll have a time of prayer. And uh, if, if, if you need prayer for anything, you can come to these people. Scripture talks about how God puts a premium on people coming together in unity through prayer in his name. And so if you need prayer, if you need agreement for anything, you can come down and meet with some of these and they will pray with you. And I want to evangelize to you. Maybe there's somebody in the room today that doesn't know Jesus. They never had the good news of the gospel shared to them. Well, can I tell you what happened to me? I found out that all my wrongs had set me on a course for hell. For an eternity separated from God. But Jesus, he gave his life for me and he paid the ransom for me to give me a pathway to eternal life. Jesus served me. And so I want to serve you with the good news of the gospel. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him to come in and be Lord of your life, to be Savior of your life, I would encourage you to do so today. One of these prayer leaders would love to lead you in that prayer. And so if that's you today, we want to ask you to come. So God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed.